0: Welcome back to the Hero with a Thousand Potions podcast presented by Gunblade Guys. We are your hosts, Tyler and Nate. I'm Tyler. And I am Nate. This is season two. We're covering Final Fantasy VII Remake and its equivalent content in the original release. Today, we're going to get into the meat of Remakes Chapter 3. Nate, how are we doing, man? I'm doing all right.
1: I um, just dropped $100 on the super deluxe mega content rich version of... Can you guess it? Are we... Talking about a game? Oh, yeah. Tears of the Kingdom. No, I already have that. Diablo 4. No, I got that for free with my computer. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Final Fantasy 16. Probably coming soon, but no, also wrong. You've struck out three times. I'm out. The answer is... Street Fighter 6. Street Fighter 6.
0: <laughs> of course. Yes, yeah, so and Nate, I forget that you have a
1: pension for Street for uh fighter games so what's that all about so street fighter is a much beloved series for me i have an arcade machine in my background as my credentials thank you very much that's the only (laughs) reason i bought it not to play it no i'm kidding it's one of my first like formative games on the first time i played it was sega genesis the first time i saw it in arcade was at pizza del rey in eau claire wisconsin oh my gosh it was the original street fighter 2 and um i thought that ryu the main character that he threw a an attack called the Alugan was what I thought he was saying. And then the, I'm sure you've heard the term Shoryuken. Do you know what that is? Oh, yes. That's his rising dragon punch. I thought that he was saying, oh, mutant, when he performed that attack. Now, don't ask why he would be screaming, oh, mutant, but that's what it sounded like to me. And then the best one of all. He's got an attack called the Tatsumaki Sempu Kyaku, right? But my head, I heard, cut the lights and let's boogie.
0: <laughs> what? Cut the lights, let's boogie! Oh, that like... He's in the air and he's going in a horizontal direction, his heels spinning
1: around him. Yes, exactly. That is, uh, I heard, cut the lights and let's boogie. <laughs> and that's been in my head since I was like six years old. So, anyway... I've loved Street Fighter my entire gaming life and now there's a new entry coming out. It has a make your own Street Fighter mode which is hilarious and kind of amazing. It's also pretty stupid like you can run up to a random grandma on the street and suplex her or rising dragon punch her face and get into a fight with her. You can see that I I did a little video of that on our YouTube channel Gunblade guys, but Regardless, I'm excited.
0: Uh, Well, Nate, uh, you know me as someone who's got a serious butt dialing problem. A fetish almost. Oh my God, Nate. Uh, Well, all right. So, funny story Nate is the subject of countless butt dials from me. Um, I've even butt invoiced him $83 (laughs) over Facebook. (laughs) And the the hilariousness, the the nonstop madcap insanity of my butt action adventures has spilled over into the into the Hero with a Thousand Potions Discord server the other day, and I feel like I just need to mention that, um, because because we I think we mentioned we've talked about it before. I think in not in the podcast, but in the Discord, and then I left a one second voicemail, you know, voice call message in it. And now everyone gets to be part of the ongoing phenomenon that is Tyler's uncontrollable
1: butt. And honestly, the message to me, I listened to it on my phone while I was on a walk, and it just sounded like a fart. So I was like, (laughs) there's layers to the butt dialing going on. It was definitely not a
0: fart. Thank you very much.
1: (laughs) I will accept your thesis that it wasn't a fart. My butt thesis. It's a good thing that you have never met or linked up with anyone with the same issues as you <laughs> because you could be doing those butt invoices and then someone would butt pay you or vice versa.
0: Mm-hmm. And then butt write me a thank you note and then we'll go, then we'll butt go out to dinner and then we'll butt go out for drinks and we'll butt get an Uber home <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'll just, I'll just be living my life through my butt. <laughs> it's
1: like a butt <laughs> id, a whole society that we don't know exists.
0: Oh, yes. My pr- <laughs> The the shadow Tyler, the the uh, negative Tyler, is actually <laughs> the manifestation of the will of my butt.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So um, look forward to that, everybody. So like I said, we are coming back into chapter three of Final Fantasy VII Remake. We wrapped up its equivalent content in original, and so this we're expecting this chapter to be focused primarily on remake, and we'll draw
1: any parallels to. Original as we kind of please. So, where did we leave off? Last thing we were talking with Tifa in the bar, we asked to get paid for our job, and she went, "Eh." No, she didn't do that. She was, uh, she said she can't exactly pay him right now, but if he needs a place to stay, she can hook him up with that. So, we take her up on that offer. It's just a short jog down the alleyway. Full of people talking about explosions and terrorists and screwing the people topside. Yeah, the apartment complex is called Stargazer Heights. And here we are. Good old Stargazer Heights. Tifa points out that
0: Cloud's going to have a neighbor. And uh, he's kind of unusual, but he's all right. So we get into our apartment. It's a one-room apartment. Very limited in its furnishings. It does have a bed. It does have a bathroom. And Cloud rests here. For the night. But then he gets up in the middle of the night and we hear creepy music. And if memory serves, this song is called Trail of Blood. And I believe it's the one that first debuts in original when we follow Sephiroth's Trail of Blood. Following a major twist in the plot that happens uh, near the end of the Midgar section.
1: And you would be wrong that that is the first time you hear that song. Is that right? Yeah. Hold on. Am I wrong in terms of remake or original? You'd be wrong that that's the first time we hear that in original. What? Because we have a a truly mind-boggling scene at a certain little comfort hotel we visit. And I feel like we should just, oh, we yes. should save that for when we actually get there, because we will get there, in OG. Okay,
0: okay, wow, uh, you're right about that. Thank you.
1: I like the track though. It's very haunting. It's very um, ominous. Definitely. Cloud gets up in the middle of the night. Creepy music.
0: He hears something going on in the neighbor's apartment. We slowly walk out the apartment unit. Go along the way and then enter the neighbor's apartment and in there we see a pale man in a black robe and when he touches cloud cloud sees a vision of several hooded people walking through an extremely windy wasteland and if you've played original before you probably think that it's
1: the whirlwind maze the man is chanting reunion over and over so it draws a connection to that scene as well because that's what everybody in the original scene is chanting as well as they like you said the whirlwind maze they're getting blown off and wrecked in their attempt to attend the reunion but they they're just obsessed with that word over and over as they arrive to that location
0: do we say more about the reunion or or the the whirlwind maze at this point because i feel like i'm getting confused about what the state of what our spoiler policy is in here because we can say more about what the meaning of this vision is if you haven't played remake i don't know if it matters very much but if you haven't played original it would be
1: yeah so here's my take on it and maybe this will Clarify things down even a little bit more minutely. I'm taking caution to if something happens in original and it also happens in a remake then I'm just going to wait till it happens in remake and original and address it then. If it's something that happens in original and provides context or helps us understand something better, but we're never actually going to visit that moment in this podcast because it happens outside of the scope of the games we are going to play, I'm still going to reference it and I'm still going to use it with the assumption that we are all here as people who played original Final Fantasy And that we are now playing Final Fantasy VII Remake with the intention of analyzing Remake through the lens of understanding original and Remake at the same time. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So we can talk about Whirlwind Maze? Yes, we can talk about Whirlwind Maze for sure. Okay,
0: this is a lot to swallow, so (laughs) here we go. Before we talk about Whirlwind Maze, let's talk about hooded people in black robes. So, hooded people in black robes, the explanation of which is comes up quite late in Final Fantasy 7 Original, is that they are reject clones of Sephiroth. However, they are not clones precisely. They are injected with Jenova cells. Jenova... God, there's so much nested in this explanation. It's horrible. Goddamn. Jenova being a an alien that fell to the planet, um, Sephiroth has these Jenova cells because he is... Born from them, it's it's a whole thing. But these clones are also kind of connected to the whole Genova Sephiroth entanglement by virtue of being injected. They kind of participate in this telepathy. Sephiroth can kind of manifest himself; the spirit of him can manifest himself through one of them, and this is one of them. And so, when Cloud touches a, a hooded black figure that is li- li- like like this neighbor here, he gets a flash of something that happens way, way deep in Final Fantasy 7, which is the Whirlwind Maze. Whirlwind Maze is a part of a dungeon in Disc 2 of Final Fantasy 7 original, in which the party is in a frozen northern arctic continent, slowly making their way to the northern crater, which is the site of a, an ancient cataclysm, maybe the place where Jenova fell to earth, and it's where the true Sephiroth body is currently resting, at that moment in original. And so Reunion is the matter of all of these clones migrating across the planet towards the Northern Crater to meet the original Sephiroth and reunite with him to be part of his master plan. The Whirlwind Maze, it's a storm in a rocky Arctic wasteland that is very, very difficult to get through without getting too deep into it. What what the party must do is slip through these gusting winds to penetrate it and get to the northern crater beyond, which is kind of in the eye of this storm of the whirlwind maze. Nate, how did I do?
1: Did pretty good. The bigger thing is that these that I took away from it is we see another vision of Sephiroth that this man is a conduit for connecting to Sephiroth again. So we've seen these these moments, these places Where it seems like Sephiroth is able to contact Cloud, but I don't know if it's like he can do it whenever he wants. He's just hanging out, like living the dream. Or if there's very specific instances in which, like, you know, Cloud's in a reactor surrounded by Mako. He can contact him. Mm -hmm. Or... Like we met him with the, the the burning wreckage around him. If it was based on having a memory, if if Cloud has a memory flash, if that's what's happening, so maybe this dude touching him and having the like vision of the future, so to speak, um, if that's what provided the gateway for this another Sephiroth intrusion, as we've <laughs> called them before earlier in the pa- podcast, but. Um, One thing I found interesting about this dude is he's got these tattered black robes on him, and he has a number 49 tattooed on his shoulder, right? I was under the impression that there was only ever 13 because we meet number 13 at some point as he's in the process of being made number 13, Am I wrong
0: in that? I am not aware of any limit. Okay. Any upward limit of that. I guess that could be, we could research that and see what the evidence is of how many quote unquote clones there are.
1: Yeah. I was under the impression that this will happen within our coverage of the podcast as well. So we'll address it then. But I'll just say, I was under the impression that we meet a 13 as he's in the process of being made the number 13. He has the 13 tattoo and he is the most recent attempt at doing this. And so... For there to be a 49 seems like quite the <laughs> expansion of the scope of the experiment. Mm-hmm. And also, you mentioned these guys are on this like worldwide migration to find this place that was in the vision. I think that only happens at a certain point, and these people are in stasis at the moment. They are not on their journey yet. There has to be a certain like coming out moment, so to speak.
0: Uh, do you recall. What that moment is in the plot of original?
1: I think it would be the killing of President Shinra. The Oh. Essentially. You think so? Well, they're all just sitting and hanging out in Midgar prior to that. Could it be or when...
0: The, you guess the black materia?
1: Yeah, that I was going to say, or that.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: But right now, we, we know that they're in some kind of stasis. They are not on their journey towards the reunion yet. Sephiroth's sleeper cells. Exactly. I don't remember them talking about the reunion this early in the game though they're not in black robes yet we meet one of these dudes in og and we'll get we'll cover that here so we'll talk about that then tifa jumps in and says uh hey cool cool off cloud he's just a he's a guy with some problems she's taking care of him he's a nice guy but he's just got some issues and so
0: what are you doing to marco
1: yes exactly marco he's got a name so she kind of steps in and saves him from us like striking down a phantom of Sephiroth
0: for the most part. We very nearly slew a destitute impoverished.
1: And what I will say of, if, if all of that explanation of like cells and copies and all, all these things seems like a little vague and weird, it's actually explored and detail it's explored and given Excruciating detail to a point where you actually didn't need to know this much about it in crisis core the prequel game the whole copy system experiment is Elaborated and honestly, I don't think that it's better for it. Oh, no if I'm being completely upfront I guess it's less convoluted, but it makes it more like this is a really really specific plan (laughs) (laughs) that A lot of stars need to align for this to come through for you, buddy.
0: The next morning we get up, we open the door, and it's a beautiful morning. Nate, last episode I mentioned there was a moment where I beheld the scope of Midgar. And for me, it was this. On the second story of this apartment building, we got up out of this dusty room and I'm beholding the majesty of the slums and the pillars and the bottom side of the plate and then the wasteland beyond, and the depth is is extraordinary, and it's in this moment where I go, holy smokes, this is a beautiful thing. I'm playing the remake. This is majestic.
1: So as we descend down from the second story apartment into the common area, we are greeted by a Somewhat elderly woman with her hair tied back in a puffy, ragged bun and wearing long gray ropes. She's got kind of a harsh voice as she greets us. Her name is Marle, M-A-R-L-E, and I am so happy that we have this character in the game because at some point her name is pronounced out loud and we can finally put to rest how the name Marl is pronounced because we've been wondering for years why is that, Tyler? Because a character named Marl, M A
0: R L E, is a playable character in Chrono Trigger.
1: And you've instinctively called this character a couple times Marley. Well, I had grade school friends that were telling me how
0: to pronounce certain things certain ways. Like the friend that introduced me to Final Fantasy in the first place final fantasy well three at the time told me that celeste the proper pronunciation of c-e-l-e-s was chelsea's <laughs> like chelsea but
1: plural like her name is the plural of chelsea chelsea's so i was impressionable man for me my experience with that was i thought chocobos i could i thought they were pronounced coca like cocoa and somebody pointed out to me he's like, Oh, that sounds like a breakfast cereal. I, I don't know that that's what they're called, but I stuck with it up until final fantasy 10 when they started actually telling you what they're called. But we meet this old lady. She, um, she mentions that, um, Tifa is like a granddaughter to her and she's looking out for her just as Tifa looks out for everybody else in the slums. And, She kind of berates us that we're not listening to Tifa's feelings enough, and I have no context for where the sentiment is coming from.
0: This could be a trope of JRPGs where the main character is too up his own ass about certain things to realize the romantic prospects in front of him. We saw this in Xenoblade Chronicles with Shulk giving half-ass answers to Fiora in the original chapter.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm just wondering, where's this old lady's perspective coming from? She uh, Tifa hooked me up with a job, which I went and performed that job. I got her a flower. I'm staying at her apartment complex. I'm about to go to her bar and help her do her own damn job so that I can get paid for the job I already did. How am I not attending to Tifa enough for this woman is what I'm wondering about. She don't even know me, man. Yeah, exactly.
0: When we meet up with Tifa, we decide to help her with errands that show us around the slum. This is a means to kind of walk us through the areas of the slums. It's not an original, but it's kind of a curated tour of the Sector Seven slums. What we're doing is replacing the water filters of certain establishments. And it turns out that Seventh Heaven earns more revenue by replacing these water filters than they do by their conventional means, I assume slinging
1: cocktails we get like a minute long scene or whatever where she explains to us how water filters work and it's kind of interesting that cloud himself reflects how the player is feeling in the scene because he's sitting at the the counter of the bar with his head in his hands groaning (laughs) The entire time. And I just have to be like, yeah, I I feel you, buddy. Because it's like, I've known how water's filters worked from the time the uh, Culligan man stopped by when I was six years old and pulled that thing out of the tank in the basement and put the new one in and then jammed a bunch of salt in there. My dad, I'd ask him like, what's that guy doing? My dad's like, oh yeah, he's changing out our water filter. So it's like the fact that Final Fantasy VII Remake needs to tell me how changing water filters works. Is a little, uh, it's an anime moment. It's, uh, it's a prince of tennis moment where they have to break away and tell you how tennis works.
0: Tiva celebrates that folks love them because they practically eliminate the rotten egg smell. Folks love them
1: because they practically eliminate the rotten egg smell.
0: And I like that particular world building moment because it isn't just that it removes the smell. It removes most of the smell, so they can't even enjoy like the tiniest modern luxury that you and I enjoy. They can only
1: get close to it, and it's a smashing success when they do. So the first stop on our filter quest is the items shop, where we get introduced how to buy our everyday common items we need, and the fact that also there are items that are commonly offered at a discount, and the, uh, the shopkeeper seems pretty sweet on Tifa, and then when he notices that we're there, he's kind of like uh, uh, he's taken down a peg because he sees that we're clearly together maybe not in a relationship capacity but there's a there's a bond we have of some kind because he's dejected by our presence but something happens here where Tifa says here's your filter She waves her hand and then the guy waves his hand and he says thank you and there was no physical filter at any point passed back between characters and I'm just like ripped back into the 90s where back in the ps1 days there was this aspect of like a suspension of disbelief where characters pass items between each other two hands would connect or like a gesture would be made and a jingle would play so like we talked about barrett giving cloud his money last time he just whips his hands and you hear a little ding and that's him paying cloud right Mm -hmm. or like you go even back to the like original resident evil they the one of the commanding officers gives jill a lock pick and he just from halfway across the room reaches out his hand and that's him giving her the lock pick and i wonder like i'm looking at the shop there are so many items of clutter like modeled and shoved into every corner of this place it's almost like it's not that they couldn't have modeled a filter and shown her handing it to him it's that that invisible item handoff is so ingrained into gaming DNA that we don't even think about it. Like, it's a freebie that you can just do and no one will question it.
0: I read somewhere that the programming of passing an item from one person to another in video gaming is actually really challenging. Uh. And so, so you can animate someone putting their hand in their pocket and then opening their palm in front of them. And another person, you can animate someone reaching their hand out and stuffing their hand in their pocket as if they were accepting it. But the actual transfer of an item from one character to another, passing from the set of polygons in one character into another is really, really hard to program. I don't know if that's the case in 2023, Mm. but in the eras you and I come from, it was nearly impossible. And I can believe it. Because character models are like their own contained logic universes. Sure. And sending out a probe from one to another just wasn't in the cards at that time.
1: Definitely. And I just found it interesting because obviously I played this in 2020. And then through various circumstances, I'm actually playing remake twice. I'm playing it on PS5 and I'm playing it on PC. And when I get caught up to the point where I got in hard mode back in the day... I think I'm going to play a normal campaign and a hard mode campaign at the same time. But it was funny because it didn't even register in my head that that happened until I'm now probably around the fourth time playing this. Mm-hmm. That It just stuck out to me. It's like, wait a second. I'm standing in a room filled with clutter, but they didn't make a filter. There is no actual filter in this game. We've never seen one of these in action. So it, I just had to giggle at that it's like it's it's so ingrained in our gaming DNA that we just we accept invisible items (laughs) our next stop Marl she needs filters at the apartment complex and upon arrival she is berating me again she has a quote she says that Cloud has no charm no wit no skills no charm
0: no wit big sword but no skills I've got
1: skills (laughs) <laughs> no skills what the fuck does she know about cloud cloud should show her uh braver i should show her the the backflip like mid-air. oh the like leaping off the train yeah i should show her leaping onto a train jumping off of debris the jesse smirk like come on yeah yeah those aren't skills cloud retorts with i've got skills and tifa tells us to be nice what the fuck is going on in this conversation? I Me sticking up for myself that I possess skills is being mean, according to Tifa. And so I, I just don't know what this old woman's mad contextless ravings are. I'm beginning to think that maybe she's senile. I'm 100% in the GTA zone as far as conversations go at this point. They should call the property Gaslighter Heights. Yes, exactly. I don't really know that the weapon shop guy being mad that the filter didn't work, I don't know that it's that interesting or that it matters.
0: It's our first opportunity to buy an alternative weapon for Cloud, and it also opens up the conversation on weapon skill trees, because inherent in every weapon is a sort of sphere grid, kind of like Final Fantasy X, in which you accrue points through battling, and then you use them to unlock these certain stat boosts per each item and once you unlock enough of them, another tier of stats to unlock appear. Hey, post-production Tyler again. Other Tyler is wrong. This weapon build conversation does not take place at the weapon shop. Biggs introduces Cloud to the concept at the neighborhood watch room. But let's let Other Tyler have his moment. The Buster Sword has a particular manner of gameplay that you can lean into that you can make the most of, but through that one, I can't remember what it is at the top of my head. And then the second weapon that you can buy from this weapons guy has a different sort of way in which you can play the game. We'll find another one that's probably got extra magic that you can load into your, into your character profile. And maybe the next one has speed. It, it, it isn't quite that simple. And, and you can choose to neglect the particular stats that are unique to that weapon in favor of more traditional stat boosts which is what I did in the first time I played Remake. But in the second one, having played Remake the first time, I'm aware of the breadth of ways in which you can emphasize your gameplay through these skill trees. I'm now leaning only into the components of the skill tree that make that weapon unique so I can swap as I please. And I kind of wonder if in hard mode that you need to because you probably need to play each character dynamically according to the challenges of the encounter in question
1: for sure and it makes it cool that you could legitimately have an end game buster sword like every weapon you get has a place and it won't suffer from that effect of well this is trash because i found something with two more damage on it 30 minutes later right you we would go to shops and we would load up on entirely new gear and we'd feel like badasses. And then 45 minutes later you'd find something better and you'd like, God damn, why did I spend all that money? And uh it just you'll you'll learn over the course of playing Final Fantasy games that just don't ever buy anything at the shops unless you're absolutely desperate. Whereas here it's like that's you're gonna have that sword the rest of the game. So yeah, pick that thing up. <laughs> It's awesome. So after making our rounds with all the filters, Tifa and cloud are left in a state of kind of wondering what to do next while they wait for Barrett to get the money together to pay cloud. And out of nowhere, Tifa suggests we build our merc rep up <laughs> our mercenary reputation. And we, we have this, she has this, uh, like Yoda has the path to the dark side, She has the path to being a badass merc, which is make connections, get jobs, build rep, which gets more connections, which gets more jobs and more rep. If you're serious about becoming a merc, then you're going to need to start making connections. And it honestly sounds like some massive in-depth reputation system a la an MMO or akin to Xenoblade's like regional affinity board, which was opening up new quests and character connections and storylines and relationships between people and everything it sounds like she's explaining something incredibly robust but it is absolutely not it is a series of maybe three or four quests within the local area and then pretty much dropped entirely after the fact
0: yes and this doesn't happen in original and this is our first indication in remake that oh boy we're gonna have the conventions of modern gaming where there's side quests to behold, um, that are kind of I'm not gonna say they're time sinks, uh, but are not conducive to the main story quest, are thrust into our face. And when I first realized this in my first playthrough, it was kind of like, oh man, I don't really love doing this. But then again, I do know that Sector 7 Slums is no longer a one-screen community. This is our chance to kind of meet more locals and you know get more f- flavor in of the area and what the hell does cloud care about a neighborhood watch so like, what does he care about reputation Tifa's is pushing this reputation on him and but cloud is this you know whatever i don't care kind of guy i don't see why he really needs to outside of paying his apartment bill that he probably magically has now <laughs> this is a moment where like the the magic of remake begins to show a crack for me where I go, okay, we are going to slip into this occasionally, but the thought in the back of my mind is also going, well, maybe there's this great payoff. Maybe we can earn something for doing all this. Maybe maybe these are great side
1: quests. And so and some of them are. Some of them are. Um some of them are not. I've said this before on the podcast and I won't really need to elaborate on it because we've talked about it before. But I think the shining example is God of War. From PlayStation 4 recent years. Was it 2018? I forget if that's when it came out. But that game, every side quest you did was a means to learn about the world and be engrossed and understand more of the lore and really feel like you're deepening your connection to everything that's happening. I feel like Seven Remake has so many moments where you learn. More context about the world and it becomes engrossing and like delivers details we didn't know about it before. And none of those are in the side quests, like the side quests are just busy work, you know. As much as we've talked about the squishing, there's also a, a bit of the padding happening as well here. Nice, 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 Nate. It's a weird relationship of squishing and then padding and then squishing and padding. <laughs> So that you, they deliver a full Final Fantasy experience. A nice rolled dough.
0: Yeah. From which to make a delicious Final Fantasy sponge.
1: Yeah, in a place that previously was not a whole Final Fantasy experience whatsoever. Throughout Tifa's whole uh, explanation, she's been doing some... She's been doing a lot of excited gestures, a lot of dips and dabs and mannerisms that screams. She's a perky Japanese woman, but there's a huge disconnect with a American voice actor not really matching that body language. And you've previously said the voice actor is Britt Barron and you're a fan of hers. I think she does a good job, but there's just a little bit of directorial issues here. So she she calmly says when you finally accept bringing her along on the missions with you she calmly says sure thing i know these streets better than anyone while leaning towards him her hands behind her back then doing a cheerful fist pump during that line and it's a really weird disconnect and so i checked the japanese delivery of the scene the voice isn't as exaggerated as i would have expected but she does put appropriate emphasis with that fist pump with the rise and fall of her tone and pitch and she's also saying in uh in Japanese she uses the word ichiban which is number 1 or best and that is the moment of the fist pump so she's saying essentially she to paraphrase she said something like i am the best person to navigate these streets and she does that fist pump there but in English she pumps on the word streets <laughs> When she says, I know these streets better than anyone, she does the fist pump on streets. And it tells me that they probably got the recordings, the dialogue and recordings of these with no context of what's happening in the scene, because I feel like that disconnect happens pretty much throughout most of the game.
0: We meet the neighborhood watch. We go to the, to their little
1: hideout area and the neighborhood watch is Biggs and Wedge. For all intents and purposes, yes, Biggs and Wedge are the neighborhood watch in this area. I don't even remember how the conversation goes. It doesn't matter. Basically, they point us to the quest
0: guy. Mm. They're not the quest guys. They take us to Wymer, W-Y-M-E-R, the quest gatherer. Oh, maybe there is another guy then. Yeah, I forgot about Wymer. Oh, is he part of the neighborhood watch? He's very forgettable. I think they actually call him the quest gatherer, which seems very on the nose for a video game NPC. And he issues to us uh, a variety of quests. Um, we'll talk about them momentarily. But I also want to talk about an, another character that we're going to meet. That is basically aside him, a young man named Chadley. I think this is actually just a kid. He's thirteen or fourteen years old. Light blonde hair, pseudo sci-fi glasses. He is an intern at Shinra. He hands us an assess materia. And when we use Assess in battle, it gives us data about the enemy in question, weak spots, um, how to stagger them, elemental weaknesses, things like that. And he gives us a quest in which we will furnish him this battle data for him, and then he'll give us rewards. You might ask yourself, why are we kind of working on behalf of Shinra? And he says, I'm actively, I'm working to actively undermine Shinra's efforts through these quests I'm giving you. I'm not interested in working for Shinra. You should know that I work actively to undermine Shinra's efforts. Don't follow that exactly, but we accept the quest anyways. Nate, I gotta ask you a question though. I might be reading into this way too hard, but in Chadley's model, he's got this weird red ascot on his shoulder, and there was a day where I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, why does his character model have this weird handkerchief tied off at the side of his shoulder it's red and if memory serves it's red and gold and it might have a splash of another color and i'm thinking is this a callback to some other character in final fantasy and i can only think of one and it's gilgamesh i'm not saying chadley's gilgamesh i i can't join the dots in this at all (laughs) And I'm probably reading way too much into it, but this guy, he's got... I'm not following why he's got this silly thing on him. Then again, you might say that a lot of NPCs in Final Fantasy VII Remake have funny things on their clothing, Uh, but that one struck out as pretty unusual to me. So whether or not he's the Final Fantasy universe-hopping samurai deity or whatever the hell Gilgamesh is, is Chadley? I don't know, probably not, but I just wanted to point it out.
1: Yeah, when I first saw him, like... The whole explanation of undermining Shinra and all that—you're like, hell no, I'm not going to help you. And then he's like, I'm—I'm I'm actually against Shinra. You just immediately buy that explanation. You're like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> like, let's go. I'll help you as much as you want. No credentials offered. No evidence of that. And also, he's quite young. But to me, it just all it, it was so surreal have this be a character in the game that I almost figured like is he a hallucination of clouds or something like some sort of soldier programming put in his head like gather data for us go get us intel improve your combat capabilities it will all be analyzed and registered into the main database like I don't know that's that's, you've got Gilgamesh I've got like he's a soldier induced hallucination of some kind amazing
0: his conduct is kind of strange. His language is kind of deliberate and more professional than a kid of his age. Part of me wonders if maybe he's on the spectrum, which would be a pretty interesting take for a Final Fantasy character.
1: Well, he's just such a complete fish out of water in the slums too, though. He is well-dressed. He's very fancy looking for to be a kid hanging out in the slums, right? And obviously he gives us the explanation that he's there working for Shinra, but it's like, you would think in the slums, the, the hard knock life of the slums, you get your ass beat walking around looking like that. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> all I will say is, as I was browsing some mods on online for Final Fantasy 7, there's a mod that is just titled, I didn't investigate very far on it, but it's just titled, Remove Chadley from the Game. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I, I feel that. I'm not particularly a fan at this moment maybe we'll and i don't remember becoming a fan ever so maybe we'll cross that bridge at some point but for right now it's kind of an annoying little dweeb Annoying little dweeb
0: so we've got eight quests at least i have that written down here in my notes uh now i did all of these quests nate did you do all of these quests including quests from chadley
1: who the fuck do you think you're talking to? Of course, I did all of the quests, Tyler. I am the completionist's god. Oh man, right. I forgot, and I'm the detached fuck off. Well, I mean, you remember Air the Sea, Xenoblade Chronicles, right? Oh yuck. <laughs> yeah i single-handedly turned that chapter into a ter- two-parter with my side questing
0: i'll just hit chadley's quests real quick so he's got two of them at least that's what i can recall firstly he asks for a couple enemies scanned and then he asks for more enemies scanned and he'll give you an auto cure materia for your trouble and that is it's a materia you equip and it, you will automatically issue a cure if a team member's health is below a certain threshold sounds like a problem that final fantasy 12 already solved for us Yeah, there are no gambits in this game. Well, I guess there are now gambits in this game.
1: I have never liked the auto cure because in previous games, it was more of an auto potion. And it's like, that's a quick way to shred through your item resources (laughs) real bad. Yeah. And then when you run out of potions, they go to high potions. Indeed. We go to Scrap Boulevard first for one of the side quests. At least I did. That's where I went. And we fight. Apparently it's overrun with gorgers. Which are these horrifying looking amalgamations of flesh and bone. They've got a circular maw reminiscent of like a Sarlacc pit. Is that a reference everyone's going to instinctively know? Probably. And also in hard mode, you can actually die in this area pretty easily if you don't pay attention. Like there's this mechanic where I think we talked about it. One of your party members can be kind of crowd controlled or bound up by an enemy. And you'll need to switch to the other party member to break them out. And, you know, in normal, I can kind of just ignore this or leisurely make that switch and work my way over there and knock them out. But in hard mode, people will die if you do not rescue them in short order. So that was pretty interesting. In the rat problems quest, we have to kill doom rats. Doom rats, Nate. (laughs) This is this is bad quest design.
0: We're two hours into the game. We're already fighting crap called Doom Rats. I would reserve Doom Rats for uh, advanced enemy, not big rats in the slums. Anyways, you got to kill them.
1: And that's kind of it. There is a little bit of a pedigree of rats and RPGs. Rats are always the first thing that you like had to kill in MMOs to the point where I had a roommate back in the day where he'd always joke that like. Because the rats were the first things you killed in Dungeons and Dragons or an MMO or whatever. Like, somebody would tout off like, oh, I got this amazing piece of gear. I got I got warglaives from Illidan. I don't know if you know what warglaives are, Tyler. Of course I do. I know who Illidan is as well. You
0: are not prepared.
1: Okay, perfect. So, like, somebody would be like, "Oh, yeah, Warglave's dropped. I got it." And my roommate would say, "Yeah, I've seen rats with better Warglaves." <laughs> it was just so notorious in all of our D anD D campaigns that, like, uh we'd start our campaign, we'd be level one, and be like, "Oh, you're in a dungeon. There's rats," <laughs> and and somebody would inevitably get fucked up by a rat, <laughs> but not doom rats. Yeah, not doom rats. Not yet, at least. As we're strolling about, a neighborhood watch citizen guarding the entrance uh, of one of these areas, he has a machine gun, and he, he mentions under his breath as I walk by, he says, doesn't look like a merc. And I'm like, sir, of any NPC... In this entire fucking town, I am the most murked up looking dude here next to Barrett himself. Who else is wearing makeshift garbage body armor and has the sword the size of his body? What does a murk look like to you if I'm not a murk?
0: In the question, Nuisance in the factory, Tifa and Cloud go into the what was it called? Talagar factory to take down some drakes. And I've noticed that lightning does the trick quite nicely on them because these are aerial enemies. And when you attack in the air, you leap up into the air and you slash, but that doesn't necessarily
1: mean that your slash is going to connect. Did that very comprehensive and detailed magical guide you gave last episode inspire you to make that choice? No, because...
0: Actually, you got me onto a good segue. So in original, you cast a spell, the ice shard hits the enemy, the creature begins to burn, wind whirls around the enemy, and that the, that's kind of over. But in remake, you have to account for the magic spell's missile travel time and the characteristics thereof. So when you cast fire, it's—it it is a little fireball that crosses the screen and hits the enemy, but they can dodge it. Ice is a particularly slow moving projectile that once it arrives at its destination, it pauses for a moment and then the crystallations form and that's when the damage is dealt. And so there's a delay that you have to account for that you didn't have to in original. Whereas I found that lightning was pretty immediate. Mm. And because these drakes, they're flying enemies, they swoop and dive bomb and, and are a little more mobile than you might expect, especially considering they're in the air. You have another dimension of combat to account for. Lightning was the most reliable spell for me to take them down, even if they maybe weren't themselves weak to lightning. I don't remember if that's the case precisely, but...
1: I don't remember either. Yeah. Yeah, those those aerial battles, they can become somewhat frustrating, because sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes your character just leaps into the air and then drops down immediately, but it reminded me of a statement from our intro episode of you were dismayed that Advent children featured a lot of fighting in the air. And as I was fighting Mm -hmm. this Drake, I was like thinking Tyler probably hates this. It's too much fighting in the air.
0: He does drop back down after a few seconds. They're not conducting the entire fight in the (laughs) air. I mean, I guess even in Advent children, they fight for a while and then he lands on one, broken piece of building and he lands another broken piece of building and they spit a couple words and they leap at each other again and they do it all over yeah. again what about this planet well that's up to you Cloud. Uh, so <laughs> I mean that's just anime film tropes I, I guess that's okay for sure
1: and then lastly we get a quest to hunt down like a boss monster a Wrathhound, but he's not particularly hard on normal on hard mode, he was. So, I had a good time with that. How do you feel about the Wrathhound?
0: My only note on it is that once you turn it in, Weimer mentions that there may be a hidden Shinra research facility
1: underneath the slums. What? Yeah, Tyler, you kept you made mention of a fact to me. I don't know if this was on air or just in our personal talkings, but you said that you keep encountering situations where you feel like it might be appropriate to play dirge of cerberus final fantasy 7 to have a greater perspective of everything but that there's difficulty in doing that because you don't have a functional playstation 2 or a copy of the game and that emulation is just not good for the game with you mentioning the secret underground research facility i'd have to say that that is definitely a very strong dirge of cerberus reference awesome
0: another quest called just flew in from the graveyard we go back to talagar factory to kill another drake this one's an elite oh my gosh the cats nate the cats the cats lost friends a little child named betty has lost her cats she spoke with weimer about that and the neighborhood watch is going to assist i guess and that means cloud is going to go look for these three cats you follow the sound of mewling when you're in the relative area of the cat, and then eventually you find it. Funny thing, though, is that when Cloud finds the second cat, or I I don't know if it's the second cat, maybe it's a particular cat that I found second, but he finds it, he tells the cat to go home or whatever, and the cat runs off, and I guess that means that you found the cat, even though it just ran off to another corner of the slums. Cloud goes, This sucks. (laughs) This sucks. And it's an acknowledgement that... Well, it's a lot of things. It's reinforcing more of Cloud's personality. This isn't really the sort of stuff he wants to do. He's like me in original. We want to get on to the next mission. But he's also kind of saying like, I don't know, maybe this is some fourth wall breaking where we're going, yeah, maybe this quest
1: isn't all that fun. It's like side quests need to exist, but nobody likes them. But they, for some reason, still need to be there. And it's this vicious cycle. And he... It does seem like a fourth wall break to me. The same thing with the filter explanation of him just sitting there groaning the entire time she's talking to him. It's like, I don't know that that's a moment that is elaborating Cloud's character more than just elaborating on the feelings we're feeling as a game player in that moment. Like, right. why is this happening right now? I don't know. Square
0: Enix is still inflicting it upon us. But we get to laugh about it together.
1: Exactly. It's okay if something sucks as long as you make a quippy reference about it within the material itself. Welcome to every Marvel movie. <laughs> Disclaimer I like Marvel movies. Disclaimer I've seen like four. Yeah. 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 As we're wrapping up our quests, we are, there's a commotion near the Seventh Heaven bar, and there are Shinra soldiers. Chasing down a stylish looking man, screaming and flailing about. We talked about him last time. It's Johnny. Johnny! Yeah, Johnny is definitely in all of his HD modern glory here. He's a cool dude. He's got like a denim jean jacket. Like you said, he's like a greaser, but I remember them wearing a lot of leather, whereas this is more like a... A denim greaser. I don't know how to explain it. Yes. He he's got style. He's showing off ripped abs. Um he's slicked up hair, and he's got these this just magnificent goatee, which is three little red stripes of beard hair on his chin. The Shinra troops apprehend him and say, you know, he he fucked up big time. And they're going to take him somewhere private to interrogate him. There's this little problem that um, Jesse stole his ID to break into some Shinra warehouse or something like that. And uh, that's that's a problem for us Avalanche members. Because if he talks or he elaborates more on this, it could lead them to us. And so uh, Tifa lets us know that we probably need to take care of this. Like kill Johnny. No, not, not kill Johnny. No, not kill Johnny. Shut Johnny up for good. That's very <laughs> Tifa-esque. She's, she's known as a snuffer. Oh, man. So we, we join them in the back alley. We intervene. He's overjoyed that his saviors have come, and he's about to blurt out that avalanche is here, but before he can get the word out of his mouth, Tifa just slugs him right in the gut to take the wind out of his lungs, so he can't say the word itself, with Shinra troops in earshot. So we have a little fight here. Yeah, it's cool. We take out all the Shinra guards. Cloud motions like he's going to take care of Johnny for good. He says he's a talker. He knows what he needs to do with talkers. He's going to swim with the mako fishes. Exactly. But Tifa intervenes and is like, No, what are you you doing, Cloud? To me, it almost seems like a feint from Cloud. Like He would never actually kill him. But he's pretending like he'd kill him like a good good cop bad cop routine where if cloud puts the fear of god into johnny johnny will maybe shut up for the first time
0: he's giving johnny those those mako killer eyes that he gave marlene the previous (laughs) evening
1: yeah indeed after this scene Johnny runs off with with agreement that he won't talk and that hot cloud says, get out of here, and we don't ever want to see you in this this area again, right? So he runs off and he's gonna leave town. And last episode we talked about the fanfare of everybody wishing Johnny well as he goes off on his own personal journey. Circumstances are very different in this one where everybody's like, What the fuck? Johnny just left out of nowhere. Seems so unlike him. So two completely different narratives happening then. But Tifa, she, she seems concerned with our like conduct, that our intimidation is scaring her and that we've changed and something in our eyes looks intense. And we shrug it off as it's just the Mako. It's, it's nothing else.
0: Following that and getting all of our quests done, we have another one called Discovery Alone at Last. And this one is a little more in line with the main story quest um we're with tifa again and we're going to change out the filter in cloud's apartment and as we're going there we're talking about filters again and i'm like why are we pushing these filters so hard i mean i get that they're important but the story beats are so loud about these filters yeah Anyways, uh, the cinematography of her installing the filter is a nice look at her backside. Don't blame me. That's what the game is presenting to us. But following that, Tifa asks what happened to Cloud after he left the village of Nibelheim. Cloud says he was disenchanted about Soldier after joining, and it's just working for Shinra. When we were kids, everybody wanted to be a soldier, right?
1: Yeah, I remember they were on the news every day during the war.
0: Thing is... By the time I finally made it in, they didn't need heroes anymore. It was nothing like what we dreamt of. It was just working for Shinra. Tifa says, well, we should celebrate, you know, our, (laughs) well, another kind of reunion. You coming back to, to see Tifa again. And so, do you, and then she wonders, do you have any fancy clothes? And then we get to choose what kind of fancy clothes might suit Tifa. And we can select one of three options. Refined, sporty, or exotic. Now, I feel like in my first playthrough I chose Exotic, and I know what the payoff is, we're not going to talk about it right now, but um, there is a payoff for what you select here, but this time I chose Refined because, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit here, but I am appreciating Tifa more in Remake as a sort of mother figure, or maybe someone who feels a greater sense of responsibility for her team, her loved ones, and even her community at large, and I feel like Selecting Refined is steering her into that sort of a matriarchal role that I don't feel an original, but I'm kind of imprinting upon here in Remake with this selection. Nate, what did you select?
1: I also selected Exotic on my first playthrough and Refined in this most recent one. Oh, Nate. But I'll point out that on the PlayStation 4, the original build of the game it is not refined it was originally something mature something sporty or something exotic and so in that light i probably would have chose refined in the original if it was listed as that mm-hmm. because something mature sounds like she's wearing like a cardigan and <laughs> A, a skirt down to her ankles or, or something like. Oh sure, she's got grandma clothes on or whatever. Amazing. That just really didn't speak to me at all. So I think they might have heard that feedback and found like maybe refined is a better word to use because we're playing technically the like 2.0 version of the game with Integrate because it's not just additional DLC. They made a lot of changes to the main campaign as well in terms of. Just fixing bugs, rebalancing things, and... No kidding. A lot of things like that. So I wonder where that call was made to change that dialogue. Maybe just a lot of feedback of no one chose the first option because it just sounded off.
0: Then we get back to Seventh Heaven, and it's time to talk business. This is the last scene, but it's loaded Mm -hmm. with stuff. The gang's all there. When we enter, Jesse says something like, You're looking pretty chipper, no? Well, must be my imagination then. Of course, more quoted language. As always, and we will continue to see that this escalates quite a bit in the beginning of Chapter 4. Can't wait to get into it. Anyways, Baird and Marlene emerge from the secret shaft underneath the pinball machine. What's pretty neat is that, like, the pinball machine, because we're seeing it in a Remake, it has higher definition, it has more character to it. The style, like the, the artistic style of the pinball machine itself, is um about bombs like the the final the classic final fantasy enemy bombs which are these like fireballs made flash basically and pressing the secret switch makes the scoreboard print 777 777 which is a nod to a seldom seen final fantasy 7 battle mechanic in which if a friend or a foe has precisely 7777 health they will automatically and repeatedly attack for That much damage, 7,777, until their health changes to any other number.
1: What if a random bar goer gets that score naturally while playing the game? Does he learn about the secret terrorist base underneath?
0: From what I saw, it looked like a secret switch you have to hit, not just get the scoreboard. But you might wonder what happens when you get 700,000... 777,000, Congratulations, you've won a membership to Avalanche. (laughs) Give that to Johnny. Give that to Chadley, too. We'd like you to meet Norg. He's a great guy. (laughs) Yes, he's our guy. Jesse says we're public enemy number one, so we're going on another mission promptly. However, Jesse thinks Tifa is soft, so a cold-blooded merc is better to have around than someone like her. Tifa will be joining us, too, but I don't know. Even a blind man can see your heart's not in it. She was never on board with the bombings. So, if it comes down to do or die, if I've got to put my life in someone else's hands, then I'd rather
1: that someone was a professional like you.
0: So, they all fuck off to the secret hideout, and Cloud remains in the bar alone. In original, Tifa's with him. But in remake, Cloud's alone, biding his time by himself. Not yet. Not
1: yet. There's a Tifa scene here. First off, I'll say we never get to go downstairs in Final Fantasy Remake. And I'm pissed because what the hell, Square? This is cut content. I was (laughs) promised a robust, fully-fledged exploration of what it is to be in Midgar. And here we are. I am not able to go in the basement. I'm not able to sleep on the pipe. What the fuck? But... So Tifa's there with us as they're all kind of about to get in their their big old meeting, and uh, Bear tells Tifa to double time her ass downstairs, and she responds by telling us to have a seat and making us drinks. Oh yes, thank you. I recall that now. Yeah, and we get the uh, the wonderful scene with cinematic action cuts of multiple camera angles and swooshes and sound effects of tifa mixing something hard and bitter for cloud tyler what what is a drink that is hard and bitter hard and bitter uh (laughs) malort i was just like i don't know i guess you need to know your your mixing skills to achieve that concoction for me do you have alcohol that is bitter to you i'm not saying i like malort okay i think it tastes terrible it's like a meme okay. to some of my friends.
0: Like, hey, we brought Melord to a party. You want to drink?
1: <laughs> it's like... I guess I'm just weird. I've never heard of an alcohol that's I I would describe as a bitter. You might say that some beers are bitter, but in terms of hard alcohol, which... I mean, you're not going to make beer with a cocktail,
0: probably. I mean, if you if you live in the slums, maybe you do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but let's say that she has actual liquor. I mean, I'm, there are other ones, I'm sure, but I can only think of fucking milord. It's this... It's made out of like... Grapefruit rinds, and it's terrible. Old people and people who live in Chicago like them.
1: There's like a, in Wisconsin, we have this thing of like all the people from Chicago migrate north to escape the insanity. And so we get slight infections of Chicago culture in Wisconsin towns, prominent Wisconsin towns. This scene did constitute enough importance for them to create a model of a drink glass and the drink being poured into the glass and the glass being slid down the counter to us physically on screen unlike the filters the filters were not important enough but this one is important enough in og we got a hand wave and the sound of clinking ice so tifa would wave her hand cloud would wave his and you'd hear i can already hear it in my well, head well let's just play the sound effect we'll find it yeah
0: It's an interesting example of how far we've come along from passing one item to another between two characters. You've got a gesture, a sound effect, and another gesture. And now we've got hyper cuts of pseudo martial arts moves, uh, clinking glass, and sliding across the bar for Cloud to pick
1: up. Cloud's flirt game is pretty on point in this scene. Tifa just directly asks for a compliment uh, when giving him his drink and he deflects. He doesn't, when they're asking for a compliment, you don't give them one, right? And then she makes him a second drink and this time it's her choice. It's, it, she doesn't ask him what she wants. She makes him her drink. This time, Cloud holds the glass up in between their eyes, locked on one another and he says beautiful so it has that element of vagueness is he talking about the drink the it's like a kind of a rose red or maybe more like a burgundy red looks thick and it's swirling around the glass and he's swirling the glass a little bit and to me that's a really good flirt because when someone just straight up asking you for a flirt you can't give it to them then you got to find a way to slide it in subtly someone tell that to jesse exactly this is good flirting jesse is not i like jesse and we've talked about how jesse has a particular way of doing things and my response to it but i think that they're on another the the connection between cloud and tifa is at a, a higher level than jesse's game clouds more uh when, when Cloud says something refined, it's because he is more refined. Now we have the where you were with the people in the basement.
0: So, what's the one activity we can do in the bar while we're waiting? Well, can walk around, click around, see if you can interact with anything. There's a dartboard in the corner. It's a mini-game, and this is actually quite enjoyable, I thought. For as long as you can access Seventh Heaven, you can play this game, but... After 10 or 12 minutes, um, I'm at the top of the scoreboard already, and I receive a luck materia for it. Funny thing, though, is that uh, on the side of the the wall adjacent to the dartboard target itself, there is a, a high score list, which names all the members of Avalanche, plus other patrons, including Johnny, if memory serves, and their best scores. Who's at the top of the list before Cloud usurps him? wedge and he's the one that rewards you with the luck material oh we get it later We don't, it doesn't just that's right it doesn't just pop out of the game does it
1: yeah but it, okay. it's i i agree i had a lot of fun with it too and i did it on both my playthroughs i i got the top score but it took a it takes a little bit of effort to get a handle of how exactly it works there's a little bit of shaky hand syndrome going where you got to deal with clouds movements to kind of hone in his focus and the timing of it all. Mm-hmm. It's fun, but I think it's made it even more fun. If you go over to the jukebox and you smash that Chocobo remix song <laughs> while you're playing. Oh God. No, I left that song on for all of the s- following scenes that would happen in there. So people are talking over that. It's hilarious. I love it. Like, I don't know that I actually like the song, but it's perfect. It's it's giving me the comic relief I need in this moment to get a laugh out of these scenes. Nice.
0: P.S. The luck stat improves your chance to critical hit and chance to steal. We can't steal yet, but we'll get there. So the gang goes down to the secret hideout, Tifa included, and then eventually, once you're done playing darts, Tifa goes up the shaft, doesn't say anything, doesn't acknowledge cloud,
1: pours herself a drink, drinks it, pours another one, and sits down. We join her with that second drink, the implication being that she has something she wants to get off her chest, she's going to need a drink to do it, and she wants us to drink with her.
0: This is where we learn that Tifa's ideology in relation to the other Avalanche members is pretty different. She's not in love with the abject violence, but... There's no derailing the Baird train. He's going to do what he wants to do. And so we can assume she's been participating in conversations about what the next mission is going to be. And it's not sounding like it's going to be very different than what we just did.
1: And so that makes her feel bad. So she excuses herself from the meeting. She says that she definitely wants to make a difference, but not like this. One of the lines she delivers is that she feels trapped. And that sounds awfully... Similar to a line we discussed last time of, if I'm ever in a bind, you'll come and save me, right? Mm -hmm. Cloud has now heard those words in a remake as well. The rest of the gang
0: comes back into the main area of the bar. And I'm recalling that Baird kind of pushes Cloud away like we don't need him for the next mission. And Cloud's kind of fine with it.
1: Baird pays up and he says kind of like with a smile a sense of contentment he says we won't be needing you on this next one and thank you for your services and cloud replies with yeah no contracts i'm good i like to to keep it free and loose and barrett says thought you'd say that it seems like there's this mutual energy between them of barrett brought along cloud on this first mission expecting you know all those speeches he gave and the energy between them where barrett's a true believer and he was angered by the fact that he was discovering cloud is not on board with the struggle he's just there for the money right and obviously they knew they were hiring a mercenary but maybe he thought he could get through to him and seeing that that hard exterior hasn't been broken down for him that might have been the the point where he's back in in the the base, he's discussing everything, they're figuring out their next plans, and he's just thinking, you know, for these jobs, with the way everything went down with this last one, we need people who are really believers in the cause. We can't have somebody who is only in it for the money.
0: And the rest of Avalanche kind of adopt that perspective as well or at least barrett has kind of coached them to behave in that way when they reconnect with tifa and cloud because once you take control of cloud again you can speak with everybody and everyone kind of acknowledges cloud when you talk to them but it's always followed up with getting back into the conversation or activity that they're already in gonna have to ask you to leave now this is a private affair we're all
1: trying to move past cloud Mm. Exactly. Hold on.
0: And did it did a dusty ghost go by in this scene as well?
1: There, I forget. You're right. There, I'm forgetting the exact moment. But there is a like an angle from the top of the bar, like a three quarter shot of the place, where in front of the camera, you f- you feel like wispy distortions. You don't see a ghost in its entirety, but there's like a swoosh and distortion on on the uh, the camera there. Sure. So we are encouraged to leave. It's a private affair. The (laughs) celebration they have going on afterward, apparently I'm not invited, but we exit and immediately outside there, we hear some commotion of some gangsters kind of milling about outside the bar. And as we approach them, one of them comes up to us and asks if we've ever seen a man with a gun arm (laughs) strutting about in the Sector 7 slums. Some of these guys wear a black leather tough guy vest with a large
0: red dragon design on the back. Cloud accuses them of working for Shinra, but they say they work for someone else. They kind of coerce Cloud to take a walk with them in that leading sort of hostile, you don't really have a choice sort of way. Cloud humors them. We kind of feel like, well, Cloud could probably take them. And eventually we do get into a fight with them. And I died to them.
1: They do have a lot of guys shooting guns that if you don't deal with them, they can quickly kind of wreck your health. And it's interesting, their leader, in original Final Fantasy VII, there's there's a lot of character model designs, but... As you make your way through the game with just the sheer amount of characters needed in the game, you'll start to notice that some of them are reused. And one of those designs is a man with a little top knot, glasses, a leather jacket, or, or like a, a vest, a leather vest, and red pants. And it's funny that this guy is basically a reinterpretation of that kind of generic character model used throughout the Midgar portion of the game and elsewhere Uh in in other towns as well. You can kind of see him everywhere. But uh, this guy was one of the people in the not this guy in remake but that model was used as one of the friendlies in the uh, learner's hall. Oh I recall that now. Now that you mention it. Yeah. So there there wasn't a suggestion that the dude in the, the biker vest was a malicious figure but I think it's fun that they reinterpreted him here and and it works for him to be the uh, kind of Yakuza insert character. Cloud says, yeah, for the right price, I can tell you anything you want. Now, I don't know that Cloud would ever actually rat out Barrett. It's not explicitly explained or that he's like, he's going along with this farce to kind of, try and get them to divulge who they are it, it's not clear but i would think that cloud is a little bit more discerning than to be a narc <laughs> but uh it, it reminds me as they're in this back alleyway they think they've got cloud cornered and that they're gonna kick his ass and i'm i'm reminded of the watchman quote of i'm not locked in here with you you're locked in here with me what do you seem to understand?
0: I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me.
1: I guess you died to them, but I kicked the shit out of them. (laughs) I I was locked in there with them. (laughs) Yes. For me, what worked with with that situation, you were probably stuck in with the the ranged attackers. What worked really well was the new weapon we got in this chapter has a special ability, which is triple slash, which cloud will kind of leap through different targets. And so with a single ATB gauge, you can automatically kind of get those outside stragglers with that ability and, and do some damage to them or interrupt whatever they're doing. And so that kind of helped me jump around and close gaps between where I was and where the ranged assailants were. But yeah, we kicked their ass.
0: We kicked their ass. We returned to our apartment and Jesse is there. She says, welcome home, honey. Took your sweet time. My God, Nate, she's role-playing wife now. (laughs) Then she gives us materia, but not just any kind of materia. This is a special kind of materia, a summon
1: materia. So with Jesse, there's always the outward appearance, what she's doing, and then what she's actually doing. And when you catch on to it, she has a couple catchphrases. She either does, if you do catch on to what she's doing, she says, got it in one. And if you don't catch on to what she's doing, she says, psych. In this one, she says, here's this materia as an apology for not getting you on the mission. And Cloud's like, Uh, sounds more like a job offer and she's like hmm yeah got it in one and so it's actually she's got another gig for us The, the in exchange for the materia she wants to take us on a nighttime plate spelunking mission we're going topside
0: next chapter that'll do it for today thank you for listening everybody The Hero with a Thousand Potions podcast is a production of Gunblade Guys. That's us, Tyler and Nate. Think about liking us, subscribing to us, five-starring us, writing a review about us, and telling a fellow game liker about us, too. You can find us on YouTube and Twitch as Gunblade Guys, and you can join us on Discord with a link you can find in our podcast description paragraph. And if you feel like tipping us, you can find a link to do that, too, in that paragraph as well. And whatever you do... Don't email us at
1: gunbladeguys@gmail.com. Our Discord is filled with fellow game likers. And by filled, I mean there's like five right now. <laughs> but we actually, we're starting to talk a bit more like every day, uh, catching up and sharing our thoughts, talking about games. So if that's of any interest to you whatsoever, I'd love to hear about what you're playing, what you're doing, what's going on, because I'm always here. I got nothing better to do. Come visit us. And my butt just can't wait to introduce itself to you. Yes. Do we have a tipping service for your butt? Because if we don't tip it, you will ask for it. I will ask for it.
0: <laughs> 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 All right. Sign <Sayonara>, out, everybody. <laughs> Can you hear that? Or scream.
1: No. Wow. She up?
0: Yeah, she's still up. But it's sometimes a crisis can be solved with more milk, and more milk puts you to bed. Mm-hmm. So you can exploit a crisis like a good dictator. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, the, I don't care if the skybox, you know, might might look a little silly. Or I'm not saying it. Hold on. Yeah. One moment. Uh, Nate, I got to split real quick. Hold on.
1: Yep. What's going on?
0: But what's neat is that between each weapon, each tree has different emphasis. Emphases. What is what is the plural of emphasis? emphasis? As, uh, emph- It's definitely each- not emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> emphasis. Uh that's uh, emphasis is actually a uh, a
1: roman ruins in turkey and then she gets pissed at cloud for saying that like oh you're just a shinra my tongue twisting of you're just a shit fuck you're just a shinra simp that's like elaborating in Cloud. clouds yeah what is with my fucking tongue tonight